turning into eight bedroom, three bath. And what does that look like from renovation costs? Have you gotten quotes on that and yeah. estimated what it's going to cost you? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's going to cost 9000 My guy's going to do it 9000 right? I got a quote for 9000 to do it. Uh, I have a field manager who goes out and handles properties. He'll probably do it got for it. cheaper, right? Nice. But it depends on if I have him on another job or something. And his drywall is his like, expertise. So it'll be super easy. Um, but 9000 was a from another um, you know, GC or contractor. He was going to uh, put that up for 9000 right? There's other requirements you want to look at too with the vents and stuff like that. You want to make sure you're not moving too many vents around and all that because that's going to add to the cost as well. This just happened to work out, right? You got to have your egress points, the two egress points as well, right? So all that stuff you want to make sure you're looking at. And don't just do it all, you know, willy-nilly and blind. So, um, so yeah, so 9000 for that. And then you got to furnish the rooms, right? You don't have to put like bedding and all that stuff in there, but you have to furnish the rooms, locks on the doors, things like that, little digital keypad, door numbers. It's, really, it's a dope setup. It looks like a little multifamily, right? Um, so... The and also too the kicker with this one is an Amazon facility right outside of the you know right in the vicinity so like perfect I'm like damn this is meant to be right got it so and then they'll so be building another one so amazing so um with the cost so f uh, it's about four hundred and fifty to five hundred bucks right okay I'm per, just, per I'm room right to furnish oh, that's what you're room. thinking. Per room. Okay. So you're basically on right now, 25 grand down. You have nine grand for the rehab. You have 500 per room. So five times eight, that's $4,000. So 500 is like the safe side. I mean, it's really mm -hmm. going to be about 450, but I was like okay. air on the side of caution. So yeah. But, uh, and then as a closer and as a person who does this like 24 seven, right? I don't have any other job. This is it. Uh, I always raise a little bit more to make money up front, right? You want an acquisition fee is what I call it. So I want to make money up front. Also, remember, this came from a JB uh, guy. So we're going to you know, I'll raise like 10K extra. Give him, you know, half. I'll take half. So I make some money up front. So add that to the cost as well. Now, pass split, you're going to pay. You can go on the website and you can get a breakdown of the per, uh, projected utility costs and things like that. And the other uh, the cost for pass split to run it and everything. And somewhere around 15% is what it comes out to with some of the fees and then, and then their management. I think their management is like 12, 11-ish, somewhere around there. Um, don't quote me on that. But you can mm -hmm. see everything, the whole breakdown. In the pro form I did, I have the whole breakdown and everything. And I, I consulted with one of them. This was the first one I actually penciled out, right? So I consulted with them on it and everything, saw how they do it. So now I'm like, I'm good. I can I can kind of uh, do it myself for, the, for all the other ones. So all said and done. Negative 500 cash flow turned into for the first year 1600 positive cash flow. Okay, welcome to another episode of affordable housing and real estate investing. Today, I got my guy, Sub2 Drew, Drew Okendo. He is a nasty closer in the Sub2 community, one of the leaders. And if you want to learn how to close your deals and your leads and learning how to talk on the phone to seller, he is your guy. But what's most importantly, and why we have Drew on a on our podcast today is because he is so great at closing. But if you think about how you want to become an affordable housing investor, you need deals, you need homes, you need homes to provide affordable housing. That's why you can figure out whether or not the closer avatar or the role or special power, superpower, whatever you want to call it, 
is the right fit for you. So without further ado, Drew, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming on, dude. So happy to have man, you, man. Thanks for having How are you me. doing today? Thanks for having me, man. I've been good, man. I really uh, appreciate you having me on the show, man. It's awesome. Dude, I can't wait to get into the conversation today because I know you're really, really good on the phones, man. So maybe let's just start there. Just tell okay. us a little bit about your background, your bio, like who is Drew and how did you even become a closer? All right. So closer specifics. I'm not going to go way, way back, but we're going to go like to the, what got me to being a closer. Right. Okay. So, um, I started off, well, first of all, I've been investing. I started off as a fix and flipper. I've been investing for, look, I didn't do the math. So what is it? 2014. So I was in the Marine Corps. All right. I was in the Marine Corps. My last year in the Marine Corps, I decided, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, what am I going to do with my life? I, I can go keep doing jarhead stuff or I can go to one of the federal agencies or I can go out and have a family and try to live that life. And uh, what ha- I ended up stumbling across uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, like like most other people. Right. And or most other people in this industry that that sparked the interest. And I started looking at wholesaling and all that stuff. And then boom, I was like, oh, man, I could do this. Right. And at that time, I just happened to buy a house like a regular, you know, traditional house, the whole boring stuff. Right. So the process was super simple to me. It just made sense in my head. So uh, that was it. You know, I just dove right in and I got I always say I always joke, say I got commitment issues. Right. But it's reverse commitment issues because I, I commit when I see something that that I want. It doesn't I don't need to overanalyze it or see too much more of it. I know I want it. I want it. So that's what I wanted. So I dove all the way in and studied how to wholesale, which that led me to how to flip because to be a good wholesaler, I was taught that you had to know what your customers want, which is the fix and flippers primarily. Some landlords, yeah, but primarily fix and flippers. So I learned how to fix and flip, which helped out and helped out because I sucked at wholesaling, right? I tried to wholesale. Well, I never really gave it a good shot, but I tried to wholesale the first deal. I went out, immediately took action. Um, and again, this is 2014, 2013, like the last quarter is when I was doing my studying, like uh, in the lab, like staying up late, like really, really studying. And I was like an expert, you know, after that. So I uh, took, uh, took action immediately, uh, did the LLC, all that stuff, got into my first, um, it was a market deal. It was a foreclosure. That was the big thing back then. It was on market. I learned that it was in North Carolina. So I was stationed at Camp Lejeune and I went and downloaded the contracts, learned how to do it. I'm super resourceful. Right. So learned how to do it, downloaded the contract, filled it out and gave it to some old, you know, guy on desk time. <laughs> he was an agent. Obviously wasn't doing much business. Didn't look like he had much in him to do business. So I said, here, I want to submit this uh, offer. I already wrote it up. I just need you to submit it. Made it super easy for him, right? He was like, oh, okay. All right. So he submitted it. I won the the offer, right? Numbers, everything were perfect, in my opinion, right? Nice. All wholesalers there, right? Nobody <laughs> wanted to buy that deal. Nobody wanted to buy that deal. And in that town, it was like, I, I just had a feeling like, you know, they don't want to buy it. I'm a new new to the scene. They know that I only got so much time to, to take it down or do something with it. And it's going to fall back uh, on the market so they can pick it right up, right? I've already... You know, I've already shown everybody the deal, showed the address, everything. So I'm like, man, forget that. I had too much ego for that. Right. So I uh, was networking and all that stuff. I guess this would be the first person I closed uh, in a sense. Right. It was another investor. He was uh, FBI guy. Right. He's killing it out there still. 
uh, Mike Ferraro. That's my guy. Yeah, he's out there in North Carolina, Jacksonville, North Carolina area. Um, but he he was the first um, part JV partner I had, actually a capital partner uh, at that point. And he, you know, I talked to them and pitched them on a deal. He's like, man, it looks like a good deal and all this stuff, right? But he wasn't going to buy it. So I basically pitched him on um, lending the money on the deal, right? It was easy. He was a really helpful guy. So he kind of helped with that. So I, I say I closed them, but you know, it, it uh, really was a combined joint effort. So we did a 60-40 split on it. I ended up making 20K on the deal. So that was my first deal ever. I only wow. put a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty Dude, nice. I, only I put love 1, that. Yeah. You made money on your first deal. That's what's up, dude. Like, yeah, that's not cool. a lot of people. Sometimes when they talk about their first deal, they're losing money. But you not only did you find you found a deal, you also raised the private capital for it. And sometimes people think closing is just closing on a seller. They forget how hard it is to raise capital and, and get people to trust in you and believe in you and to yeah. actually fund your deals. So absolutely amazing. That's, that is another form of closing, right? I think the I think a closer, I'm glad you brought that point up because I think a closer can close anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people, there's some people that there's there's something that's not clicking in their head that disconnects, it doesn't associate closing this person on mm-hmm. this and closing that person on that. So there's people that are really good at, at closing to raise capital. There's people that are really good on closing, uh, like Dispo people, they're really good on closing the end buyer on buying that deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's people who are at closing sellers on, you know, getting, you know, doing a deal with us that makes yep. sense for us to, you know, to actually get into that deal. Right now, I think a, a closer, like I obviously, you know, I, I consider myself a closer. I'm good at all that. Right. I can do all of it, but I don't have time to do all of it, though. But if those people who are closing those individual, um, you know, departments in those sections, if they just can associate it, it, you know, connect, made that little wire connection in their brain, they'd be an awesome closer and they uh, closing everybody on, on anything. Right. But to finish the, the story, what really led me into um, being a, a good closer now is um, connecting all the dots from all the training and everything and experiences that I had mm-hmm. leading up into this point. Some people like to throw away their, their experience, right? They like to, they like to, you know, I had a bad experience in a past profession, you know, they like to throw it away, but that's, that's, that's silly because that's a, a key ingredient to making you who you are now. Right. So if you could connect those, those dots and, and, and those uh, make those associations in your head, you'll be a, you'll be something that no one's ever seen. Right. And perfect example is I have a, a good friend of mine that I met in the sub two community. Um, he's out here with me. I'm in Orlando. He's in Kissimmee. And uh, he uh, he's a developer. Right. And he was mm-hmm. telling me all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, um, man, I just need to take this developer hat off, man. Every time I'm looking at a deal, uh, I just, you know, developer hats on and you take it off. I'm like, bro, don't take it off. Leave the developer yeah. hat on because that's what's going to make you unique. That's going to bring a unique perspective uh, to the game. And you're going to do things that none of us have been able to do. Because I'm not a developer, right? I don't know what you know. And you're going to be able to make connections and, and deals with people that I probably won't be able to make deals with and close, right? So, you know, he battled with that for a little bit. But he finally, like, did it. And he, he actually thanked me for it the other day um, because, you know, he's getting further in deals, able to do things and, and, um, and using that to his ability. Honestly, in a couple, maybe six months to a year, maybe 18 months or so, it'll probably come out with a really dope app 
that everybody will be using. He's working on it right now, uh, like a Legion uh, platform. So that's the type of stuff that, you know, I, I don't have the capability. I don't have the bandwidth to do that stuff. But if he would have just got rid of all those those years of hard work and developing just because he wants to do it, you know, do this business the way I do it or some or, or somebody else does it, you know, he's he's like he's not being true to himself. Right. So to circle back, what made me the closer I am today is everything that I've been through. Right. Marine Corps. Uh, I went straight into real estate, became a fix and flipper, moved down to Orlando, struggled as an agent, became an agent, struggled as an agent, uh, found Mike Ferry, uh, Mike Ferry organization, started coaching with Mike Ferry. Right. Uh, awesome. Awesome organization for the traditional uh, real estate agent. Probably I, I think. I consider them like the Marine Corps of uh, traditional real estate, right? Because he's training killers, right? To go out there, telephone killers, right? And, you know, train, got trained as a, a co- uh, expired cold caller, right? Expired agent. And as an expired agent, you got to compete. Honestly, all, all these other agents, they become listing agents by default, right? No offense, right? But if you want to be a listing agent, they believe the path to be a listing agent is to be a good buyer agent. Has nothing, to my opinion, has nothing mm. to do with it, right? To be a good listing agent, train to be a good listing agent, right? Understood. So, so Mike Ferry trained me to be a good listing agent, trained me to make good, uh, you know, sales calls, trained me to have a schedule. Also, the Marine Corps helped with that, right? Schedule, discipline, uh, commitment, and uh studying your craft honing your craft there's so many people that won't do the work you got i used to i used to drive around with my script you know like um, um, before appointments you know i guys in the office we would role play the listing appointment every day at noon right every day if we're not on the appointment we're looking for one right if we're in the office we're training right so practice people won't do that they'll just sit there and wish and hope they can get good. How do you do this? Oh, you just get it naturally, but they don't see the work you do behind closed doors. Like if you saw my my office, I have scripts up. I have scripts sitting there. I don't need them, right? But they're there. This is a reminder. Like all the work I've put in, maybe some maybe I see something up there. It's like a a, a, a blanket, you know? I can I've had it for so long, I don't really need it more, but it used to be like a security blanket, right? I could look at it, boom, scripts there, right? Now, what elevated me to the next level is uh, getting. So during that time, I was doing uh, agent stuff, doing also investing, right? Bringing that investing mindset to agent activity, um, buying deals here and there, creative deals. Uh, I've always done creative deals like from the beginning. Um, And then, you know, cash deals, obviously flips and stuff. And then finding Pace Morby sub two community mm-hmm. hands down like killed the game best mentorship ever like all around i promise you like that thing right there just put every brought everything full circle right as soon as i started hearing pace it's like man i resonate with what he's saying like that's my style right there the way he's closing and everything yep so he taught me how to um close how to take this big abstract concept right and for a lack of a better term, dumb it down and help explain it to a seller to where they're no longer a confused mind and they're going to say no to where, you know, they're agreeable and they understand that this is really the best option they have considering it, right? We don't force these creative terms on people. 
We just help mm-hmm. them self-discover that this is the best option for them, right? Through conversation. Absolutely, man. Right? Absolutely. And Drew, let me pause you right here because I want to make sure I take the time to emphasize the point for people that are listening. You have gone through such a great career or journey, but every single piece of your journey has been just helping you stack your different skill sets. You talked about being in the military. That helped you learn how to plan a schedule taught you how to be disciplined and i think people forget those facts same thing how you alluded to your friend who's a developer that's how you build credibility with someone it's like oh this guy isn't just a one-trick pony he has done a lot of different things in his life and actually took those learnings and continue applying it forward so then you became a wholesaler you became a listing agent and then you also had done fix and flips now as an investor i might look to you drew and say hey this guy not only has he had wholesaling experience he knows how to do a fix and flip so he knows how to run numbers better. At least he's speaking from experience, which is just completely yeah. brand new newbie. And on top of that, you kept working on improving yourself. And that I, I think that point is missed by so many. You literally just talked about role playing, talking about reps. You don't just become a natural closer overnight. You work Absolutely. on it, just like how Drew did it. And that's why that's the reason I would want to work with you. That's the reason I brought Drew onto this podcast because people need to learn and listen about what it actually takes to be successful. And so much of it just has to do with reps and repetitions. There's no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme in real estate. You got to put in the work. But, dude, what a beautiful story for so far, man. And then you got you found it to pace more, which is even more impressive. Because then yeah. you said, let me go even – let me up-level myself even more to become a closer. Yeah. So maybe let's start there when you found a sub community and learn about creative finance. You already learned a little bit of how to close. Like, What types of questions did you ask? to make yourself a better closer? Because I'm really interested in this because sometimes when people don't make improvements or advancements in their life, sometimes they're just not asking the right questions. I'm really curious as to like what kind of questions you were asking so that you could uh, become even a better closer. That's a, that's a really good question um, because some people are going to interpret that question differently, right? So there's two ways to go with that question, right? Uh, what questions did I ask? Some people are going to think, what am I asking the seller, right? A script. Mm-hmm. What, what script are you using? It's not about a script mm-hmm. at all, right? It's not about a script at all, right? Honestly, uh, scripts, less the training wheels, right? You got to take the training wheels off. You got to take them off and become yourself. So the questions you have to ask, you got to go inside, right? You got to go sign and figure out who you are, right? Because there's a there's a uh, internal guidance system that we all have that leads us, right? Pace laid out the blueprint, uh, blueprint, right? But also, there's a little different, unique uh, approach that each of us, you know, give to to our uh, or bring to the table when we are talking to a seller, right? That's coming from our own internal guidance system. We have to have permission to give ourselves permission to follow that, right? So there's the salesperson that we think we need to be, and there's a person that we think we are, and so the questions we need to ask ourselves is how do we merge the two, right, and make it one. And when you do that, that's the, you'll, that's the freest you'll ever be, right? And now you're, they feel that freedom, right? They feel that confidence. Yeah. You transfer that over the phone, right? Because all I'm, I'm doing everything over the phone, right? So you transfer that over the phone and they feel that. They don't know what it is. Just like they feel, um, you know, commission breath. They feel like, oh, this guy is shady. They feel those things too, right? Cause you're feeling it. You're, you're presenting that, right? That's in you. They feel that fear, you know, they sniff it out. So if you don't have any of that in there and it's not to say you're not like 
it's not don't confuse that with getting nervous before a call. You know, sometimes I get jitters and things like that. I call in front of a lot of people sometimes. Um, that's not always the most comfortable thing, but that's why we have bravery, right? There'd be no such thing as bravery if there wasn't a thing called fear, right? It's not an absence of fear, it's just in the face mm-hmm. of fear. Right. So the questions you ask yourself are just, you know, what do I need to do to be able to do, you know, what you want to do, right? What do I need to do to be able to close this deal? What am I missing? Right. What am I? You got to understand it's you. Right. So that's really it. Honestly, listen to yourself too. And sometimes it's not about asking the questions, it's about listening to yourself. So a lot of times I say some off the wall stuff on a call, and it's because <laughs> I'm, I'm just going with the flow. I'm feeling the vibe. I get on the phone. I, I catch a, a vibe and, and the seller and I are, are vibing. Right. And they're feeling it. And it's funny because now if I think back to some of the scripts that were written that I used to follow, there's some there's some words in there that it's like, I can't say that. Like, that feels weird to say. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, sometimes, like just for example, like what's the well, what's the lowest you're you're willing to take, right? It sounds weird. What's the lowest you're willing to take? But if you have that rapport, meaning you have that credibility, that trust with the seller, you can ask anything, right? Doctors, high paid people, doctors, lawyers, you know, uh, anyone who gets paid a lot, right? Or we think they get paid a lot, right? They ask tough questions, right? Because they're professionals, right? You got to be a professional, right? I get it, the whole friend thing, right? But you be a professional first, right? So you ask the tough questions. I get some guys, some JV partners, they're like, um, yeah, I don't know how to ask that. Like, bro, just ask it, right? But if you have that, if you have that rapport, uh, like I said, credibility, authority there on the, on the call, that front you're setting a good frame, right? You can ask the questions and it's not going to be weird, right? You can, you can speak to the death they just had, right? If it comes mm-hmm. up. Or you can let it pass without being like, oh, that's that's weird, you know, right? It's not going to be an issue, you know? So it's really just um, being connected to yourself. And this is so important. I think you said the questions you ask yourself, it's like you're asking yourself what type of person you are. And that naturally flows into your conversations with all your sellers. Like sellers can pick up if you're being nervous, if you're not confident. So that's why when you talked about the questions you're asking your sellers and the questions you're asking yourself and how they come together, it's yeah. that's like when you figure out, hey, this is your personality. This is the rapport and the vibe that you express and you portray. And sometimes you might try to merit a seller to, you know, get them on the same page as you. But you are genuinely having fun. I, I want to say it sounds like you're having yeah, fun, fun on these calls yeah. and you're enjoying it, dude. And I think yeah. it's kind of like me and you having the same call right now on this podcast. We're having fun. We're vibing. We're having fun. I love learning from you, man, because you have such a wealth of experience, this treasure of gems that you're willing to come on to share with the guests. And I'm so appreciative of that because everyone thinks that there's only one way. There's only one script. There's one master script. You get it. You're going to do it. But they forget to look inwards and understand like, hey, this is how I should just approach this conversation because that fits my personality. I think that's one of the biggest light bulb moments I had when I talked to people. It's like, hey, not everyone is meant to be an expert of paperwork. Not everyone's meant to be a cold caller. But when you, once you figure out what you're really good at, then you can dig yeah. a little bit more you know, in and then work on the reps. Go for it. Absolutely. One of the things that uh, Pace Morby said uh, that helped me get over that hump was your vibe attracts your tribe, right? It was like he said that in reference to people who are scared to post mm-hmm. on social media because they're afraid mm-hmm. of like what people might say, right? But 
Um, when he said that, your vibe attracts your tribe, I was like, damn, it resonated with me, right? Because at one point in time, like I come from, you know, we just went over my background and stuff with the military, right? And then the, being in the Marine Corps, Marine Corps is a place where you're not a Marine, you know, nine to five, like you're a Marine 24 seven, you know, like, so, you know, earrings and stuff like that, you know, the tattoos, you know, contrary to popular belief, like a lot of that stuff was like frowned upon when I was in, right? So you go out in the civilian world, you know, when you're on Liberty and everything uh, on the weekend, you'll, you'll get locked down real quick by somebody. You know, a Marine's not going to just let somebody walk by and see that he's a Marine and identify him. And he's doing something uh, off or he's wearing something that he's not supposed to be wearing, like earrings. Like he's going to check them right out there in front of anybody. Right. That's the lifestyle. So you're always watching your back and you're always worried about how you present yourself. All right. So when I got when I got out and uh, I was you know down here in Florida, you know, it's hot as hell down here. Right. So I was wearing I had the, the sleeve. And I had this limited belief, man, that, you know, people didn't, you know, want to do business with me because of the way I look. Right. So I, I had to cover that up and be somebody else. Right. And somebody was like, uh, bro, what are you, why are you wearing that? It's hot as hell. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm, and uh, yeah. I, was like, I got these tattoos. He's like, so what? Right. So that was the first time it kind of like, let me be free a little bit. And then when Pace said, uh, your vibe attracts your tribe, then it was like, it just kind of clicked. Let me be myself. Right? I don't even wear suits anymore, right? I think the people who are wearing suits right now, they're trying to impress. They're trying to look a certain way. Most of the people wearing suits right now are broke, right? Who the hell wants to wear a suit in Florida? Broke as hell, right? You got on a suit right now, you're probably broke or you're trying to look more rich than you are, right? So either way, you're unhappy, right? I go on appointments like this if I go in person, right? Because my, my confidence carries further than the way I look. Right. And that's why I do a lot of stuff on the phone. So they, they can't even judge me, really. I'll be whoever they need me to be on the phone. I'm just acting. Right. So and I know what I'm talking about. Right. So your vibe attract going back to your vibe attracts your tribe. If they're not in my tribe, they don't want to vibe with me. Hey, there's plenty out there. I come from abundance. I'm not going to vibe with everybody. Right. But the people that I vibe with, we're going to vibe. We're going to have a good time. We're going to get business done. We're going to make money together. Right. So I, I firmly believe in that. And I thank Pace Morby for that. Absolutely, man. I think that's just such a great way of thinking about it and not being not trying to be somebody that you're not, because then people just know you're it's being self. fake. Right. That's 100%. it. Um, maybe like, you tell us a story like tell us, do you have any good stories of a seller that you closed before and, you know, a story of how you figure out how to close them and how to get them across the finish line? Because sometimes people just miss that point. Just interested in like, hey, any stories you'd be able to share with our listeners today? Mm, that's a good question. I wish I was prepared for that. Um, you know, you <laughs> ask a question on the spot and then you're like, oh man, you go blank. But um, let's see, a good story of me closing someone. Uh, or we could just talk about deal first. You know what I'm saying? We just talk about deal first because, right, we're on the podcast for affordable housing and we always want to understand, like, one, tell the story about a deal you closed because we want to hear about the numbers, right? What was the purchase mm-hmm. price? What was the renovation, the scope, how heavy was it? What are you going to make on cash flow? Because I think one, we want to know what your exit strategy is. And two, how much can our listeners actually make from a deal on something like that? Yeah, I got a couple of deals um, to run through, right? Because there's a couple of lessons on it too. Uh, so I have on my on my Instagram, there's uh, some videos. I wish I had more, but I was editing those myself. So, and I like it no a problem. certain way because I, I like it to tell a certain story. 
Um, so I had some other guys approach me who want to edit it. And it's just like, it looks like everybody else's stuff, where it's just like monologues mm. and stuff. Like they're saying this, but you don't know how effective it was. Or you don't know how it hit with the seller. So it's just like, mm -hmm. all right, cool. You know, cool. You can talk. So I like it. Mind the show something, you know, maybe some people like it. Some people don't, I don't know, but I like it. So I put it out there, but there's one on there with a guy named Stan, right? Mm -hmm. Guy, it was a million dollar. Um, I think I did a three video series, right? And there was a, um, he was, it was a million dollar house in Winter Garden and he failed to sell on the market, right? Someone, I think an agent like pushed him over my way. They just couldn't deal with him. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm talking with him, uh, doing what I do, right. It's, it's on, it's on the, uh, Instagram so you can see it. But, um, this guy, bro, he was like the cheapest of the cheap. Like he just, he went down to like. Talk about nickel and diamond. He was like Spirit Airline and Frontier versus like Delta or something, right? He wanted to, you know, okay, well, if I do this and I don't do that, how much is that going to cost me, right? Okay, okay, if I do this, but you do that, but I don't do this, how much is that going to cost me? I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, wow. come on. So, like, the message in that one, right? And I closed them, right? The message in that one, it was a fun, fun call because you can be yourself, right? I can vibe yeah. with anybody as long as they're okay with me being myself, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna like lean into the way he feels. And this is the part about, you know, uh, you gotta be yourself, right? You start the conversation. If you can go through the conversation as you know, your sales person side and and your actual true side and keep that as one, you're gonna rock it all day, right? But if you yeah. go in not listening to yourself, right? Your your subconscious mind. And uh, you just try to be this person you think you need to be, you're going to fail all the time, right? The, the more, so it starts with when they say something and you don't lean into it, you don't circle back to it, right? That's strike one, in my opinion, mm. right? Subconscious mind is like, um, okay, you're not listening. All right. Mm -hmm. Happens again. You know, you want to say something and you're, you don't know how to say it. Boom, strike two. Strike three comes, you're out. You know, you're done with that cell. So I didn't let anything slip. If he was nickel and dime, I'm like, bro, I, you know, you, you're counting my pockets. I'm trying to get you as much money as you as you can get on this cell. I'm trying to maximize your profit, and you're trying to minimize anything I can make to support my family. Like, like why? Right? So I closed them. And but that's interesting. Let me, let me pause you there. He seems yeah. like a guy that wants to win on every part of the deal. Am I correct? That's that's the type of guy he is because he was going through every single scenario from what it sounds like. He's a some zero type of person, right? Mm. So he was like, those people are not going to get far in life, right? You may win this battle, but, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, nobody makes it out alive, right? So you might win this battle, but you may have some struggles in the, in the future battles you have, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the people you're around, your friends, you know, people you you, you do good to, that karma you know, comes back to you. Right. So don't know what, where his karma's taking him or whatever. That's on him. Uh, you know, he's not in my mind anymore mm -hmm. other than telling his story, but I closed him. We did a, a deal, million dollar deal. We were going to, uh, lease option. Trade, his house. Trade finance deal. Okay. Lease trade option. Finance okay. Deal, yeah. We're going to lease option his, uh, house, sell it. So basically I was putting a partner with him to mm. it, the, the terms wouldn't have worked for me as an investor. Right. So I was going to partner with him. This is another strategy to just try to make money on a deal that, you know, we couldn't make money otherwise. Right. 
So while other people are trying to wholesale, right, we're out here. Mm -hmm. We'll just help them move the deal. You don't have to be an agent for this, right? You just get into a JV agreement with the owner, just like anybody else who owns a house. We get into a mm -hmm. JV agreement. We both have um, interest in that deal, right? So he, um, we, uh, so I started marketing this deal to to sell as a uh, lease option. He wanted, you know, it's a million dollar deal. He wanted uh, $200,000 down and I was supposed to make uh 6%, right? I was like, whatever, bro. All right, we'll do that. 6% of the 200,000. It's like selling for agents, like selling a $200,000 house, right? So, you, you know, I would, I would have got, phone's ringing, sorry. I would have got, um, was my field manager. I would have got uh, six, um, I would have got, where was that? Um, six thousand dollars, something like that. He threw me off track. Twelve thousand dollars, right? So mm -hmm. uh, he was cool with that, right? So we did that uh, that deal. The challenge is he made it so hard to, for me to to sell the house. Like I couldn't even show it. I'm like, bro, what do you what do you want me to do? You know. So we did it for a month, and I'm like, man, I don't even want this thing, right? Like I, I'm not gonna. It's no, I don't do. It doesn't do me any good sitting on it. And I was actually going to let some agents do some open houses so they can get some buyers in that price range. You know, there's a lot of other wins you can get from it to help other people out and stuff like that. So um, I ended up giving it back to him. He's, he's too much of a pain. And then he uh, he comes to me. He finds somebody. Right. I'm like, oh, great. He's like, and then here we go with the nickel and dime. How much will it be if you um, if you just you know write up the contract and this and that? I was like, I think I said something I'll do it for like 1% or something like that. He was like, what? Come on, man. You know, he gave me that whole speech. I'm like, bro, I'm just yeah, laughing. Come on. I'm like, pay me whatever you want to pay me. I'll do the kind of whatever, whatever you want to pay me. So I do this. Um, I think I don't even know what number we agreed upon. I'm going to tell you the kicker in the, at the end. But he he um, you know, I do the contract. It's easy. I just wrote some stuff up, yeah. you know, basic contract. I didn't really. First of all, you're not paying me, you know, um, what I want, right? You're paying me what you, I don't even know what you're going to pay me at this point, right? Something small, but whatever. So I'm like, here's your contract, whatever. Boom. He's like, thanks. I don't hear nothing from him. He dipped, right? What kind of guy is that? You told me you were going to pay me for the deal. I oh do it. God. And then you dip and don't do anything. Wow. I hope you don't need me later. I hope that deal works out for you. Right. But, um, just goes to show you, you know, it's just funny, a funny experience. Right. But, uh, the whole point in that whole story is just, don't be afraid to stand your ground. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to lean into uncomfortable situations uh, because leaning the only way, like the only way to overcome that situation is go through it. Right. Yes. Not around, not over, not under, just go right through it. Right. It's easy. You go through it. A lot of times it's just a smoke screen. Right. Don't be afraid to go through it. Now that didn't necessarily end well, but it was a good, it was a good, uh, a good story. Right. But to get into some numbers on uh, a deal, right? So I, I, I told, told that story just to, it was an interesting one, it was a funny one and people can see it. Like they can actually go to the Instagram and check it out. Um, but to talk some numbers on a deal, we're doing, and then being that this is affordable housing, I think this would be a good one I'm doing right now. All right, right? let's do it. Right, so this one is in uh, Ruskin, right? I have a, whole cool pro forma layout and all that stuff but affordable housing is like a serious issue and in this um you know in this country right so mm -hmm. they used to say uh mobile homes was like the last line of affordable housing but people are doing more unique uh creative things now like uh pad split is one of them now, yeah let's hear about that that'd be cool yeah 
I love I love the idea of the concept of pass split, right? So I one one fell through that I had that I was gonna uh, getting on the contract, JV with another wholesaler. Uh, they ended up going a different route. They may come back, who knows? But that was in Lakeland, one in Ruskin, and then uh, I own three units uh, in Orlando, um, triplex, makeshift triplex. When it's all said and done, how many? How many? Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There'll be eight. There'll be eight rooms in that one when it's all said and done. It's going to take some time because one tenant's leaving in August and then the owner had a cat. Uh, I gave the owner mm-hmm. a lease back. So when he leaves, I'll be able to build that one out. But right now I had a tenant in the back for that one. Uh, so that's going to be the first one that's going to be ready to go for Passblit. So it's just going to be two simple units um, already ready to go, already clean. I just had to evict the tenant. I actually just ran the story uh, the other day on uh, Instagram because the ten- I gave the tenant a three-day notice and she um, uh, she like skipped town like quick. She- what? I'm, yeah. I'm so busy like with uh, this is not a good thing, right? I'm just so busy. I could use some you know assistance and then hiring people and stuff like that. I had a property manager. She quit. Um, but she's actually the one who put that person in place. The person mm-hmm. was a stripper, right? Not that mm-hmm. it ain't bad with strippers, right? But mm-hmm. juicy story, right? Strippers, we need strippers, right? So she uh, was in the uh, the 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 uh, unit, right? Two bedroom, and she stopped paying. She missed a couple payments, and I just noticed it too late. Before I know it, it's like she owes me four thousand dollars. I'm like, wow. oh shit, yeah, right? That racks up quick. So I'm like, man, I gotta I gotta hire the, the attorney, get her out of there. I, I contacted her. She said she was gonna make a payment. Boom, she did it. And then we went another month and then boom, she's she's delinquent again. Um, still, because she never caught all the way back up. So hired the attorney. Uh, well, I sent the three-day notice, then I hired the attorney. I never checked to see if she actually left or anything. She didn't contact me. I tried to call her, nothing. Right. So uh she, I went and checked. One of the other tenants told me that she was that she left already. I was like, wow, you should have told me sooner. So I went, saw it, I did the Instagram story, house was like wrecked, left everything. It wasn't any damage, but it was just junky, like just, mm. wow, like, how, like why, right? Now she's going to have an eviction on her record. Yeah. I'm a nice guy, right? Understandable. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't have went that route because you could have just left, you know, left yeah. peacefully, got stuff out and left it in a rentable condition. It would have been a win, right? I should have been on top of everything, you know, collecting the rent. I should have caught it a lot sooner, right? So I take responsibility for that. But she just dipped, no communication. So um, that I'm turning and putting in a passport. It's going to be two hundred dollars a uh, a week per room. So, so uh, let me summarize so- for the for the listeners right here. So you have a triplex. You have two units that are empty, and then the one unit where you just had to do eviction. That was sort of the makeshift triplex. Is that the same property you're talking about? I want to. That's make sure the makeshift one. Yeah, I kind of jumped to that okay. one because it was a little. Uh, I was running down the ones that I was doing, and that's the one okay. that's going to be ready the soonest. But that's two units. But let's talk real numbers, and because this is going to show you the power of uh, of Pat's uh, Pat split. Yeah, right. This is what renting we're doing. Let's, um, let's go through how you got the deal, uh, the purchase price, the renovations, and then what you expect to get for rent and the cash flow. Yes, yes. So this is a really good one because this is changing the scape of uh, things right now with uh, loan mods and pre-foreclosures, right? A lot of people are like, you know, pre-foreclosures, they're going after that like crazy. A lot of new guys are going after pre-foreclosures like it's the creme de la creme, but there's a lot of work that goes into that, especially if there's a ton of arrears, right? So Ruskin property comes to me through a a good JV partner, right? Really good friend out here in Lake Nona, right? 
And he, uh, you know, I'm a closer. So, yeah, he, quite naturally, he's good at lead gen. He wanted me to close the deal. So I've been – my team's been following up with this uh, particular uh, person for about a year, right? They've been going through uh, the, the, the ringer, not with them, uh, or we haven't been going to the ringer. The seller has, right? There's a company called MV Realty. Are you familiar with that? I don't know if they have that. You're over on a, in Cali, right? Yeah, I'm in San Diego. So, man, I love San Diego. So I got to come out there and visit you, man. So, um, yeah. So Envy uh, Realty, right? There's a lot of elements to this to this one right here. So Envy Realty, they, um, some people will argue it's predatory. Some people will argue it's genius, whatever the case is. But during the pandemic, they were going around knocking on doors, offering a few hundred bucks for in exchange for a listing agreement for oh. whenever they thought to sell over the next 40 years. So 40 year listing wow. agreements. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Kind of, kind of smart, but damn, you know? Um, so apparently it's ironclad, right? The, the contracts and everything. I guess they haven't pissed off the wrong person with the right connections. Right. So, this guy, um, he's become a friend now because the, the long follow up and everything. And I, as a closer, I usually don't have time to follow up with uh, everyone, but uh, we hit it off real well. He's a Marine. Um, I used to sell insurance, too. That was part of the, the journey. That's what led me into the virtual uh, closing stuff was the insurance uh, selling through the, all the states. But he worked for that same company at a time. I didn't know him. It was a different division, but we had a lot of commonalities and everything. So um, we're actually you know friends now. But uh, and we're doing this deal, but he he uh, took the money, took like seven hundred and some change from from these guys, and in turn they slapped a, a memorandum on the on the property, right? Rightfully okay. so, because he's in a, they're in an agreement. So basically, that's their protection and saying, all right, um, if you try to sell, there's a penalty, right? You you owe if you try to sell without us knowing, it's uh you know you got to pay us at least three percent of the purchase price, right? Or the fair market value, right? Whichever one's higher. Mm -hmm. If you and who determined, you know, fair market value, right? So they're going to go yeah. with whatever they think is higher. So um, if you try to, or if you go to sell, we're going to sell it, right? You got to come to us to sell it get for at, at 6%, right? Amazing strategy, you know? And they were getting a lot of people solving an immediate, you know, pain during a pandemic during a harsh time, that's what kind of makes it a little funky, you know, a little predatory, right? It's during a harsh time to take advantage of that, right? Government's giving out stimulus checks. These guys are giving out a few hundred bucks uh, for 40 year listing agreements, right? Sounds like a win to the person in that situation. So except until the time they go to sell. However, I mean, I guess he could have just sold and paid what he you know needed to pay. Yeah, and that yeah. could work. Some could argue that, right? But uh, he didn't for whatever reason. I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. Uh, so I came in after the fact this had already happened. And, you know, so we got the lead from the JV um, from my JV partner. And then I go, you know, close it. He's good. He's sold on going this route. But the challenge is MV had already got into the into the situation. Right. So um, they escalated it and put a Liz pending on the property, which means litigation you know, pending mm. so they can stop the sale. It's a more harsher uh, stance on stopping a sale. It's like a dead Got stop, it. brick wall, okay. right? Not going to go through. Um, so they stopped that sale. It was an off-market deal um, with another sh shady organization that tried to um, retrade 
at the last minute, renegotiate at the last minute, right? Uh, as a clocks was you know ticking and stuff like that, as a tactic to get him like 50k lower. So he balked at that. He's like, hell no, you know, I'm not doing that. I think they tried to put a memorandum on it too because of that and, and stick and uh, you know stick their claim on the house. Everybody's wow. getting this guy, right? So he got rid of that uh, memorandum. He still has MV's memorandum on it, and the Liz pending, they released it, right? He thought he won, though. He thought he he had a fork. Oh, he's going through foreclosure at the time, too, right? So he's 75K in arrears, right? So we didn't, you know, we're not paying, that's, that's like too much of an entry fee to get into, because that's only one element of the entry fee if we're going to go a creative deal. What's important to us on the creative deal is in most in most cases, right, is not the overall purchase price. It's more like how we can make money uh, on the cash flow, right? In, in most cases, that's what we're looking at. That's why we're able to buy more houses than the average you know, investor, right? So he, um, but 75K kind of starts crushing that cash on cash return for just one door, right? That's why these specialized exit strategies that help affordable housing, you know, uh, crisis mm-hmm. that we're having that help, mm-hmm. um, other situations like sober living and assistant living facilities, they help out all those organizations, right? If you understand how to connect with those people, you don't have to run it, but if you understand how to connect with those people and you know how to structure these deals, then you guys will make a perfect combination. I'm, I'm still trying mm-hmm. to meet some sober living people, you know, in our oh, yeah. area, um, and assistant living operators, we can go far together, you know? Um, but, uh, pad split. So he, um, so on one door, 75 K too much, right. doesn't make sense. Cause that's like I said, only one part of the entry fee. There's still other elements to consider. Yep. So yep. he's doing a loan mod, right? He's already going through that process. Now, this is the one thing that kind of changed the escape of, uh, that, that investors right now need to, to, to kind of consider mm-hmm. these loan mods are kind of jacking up the whole deal. He had like a 2.8 interest rate. 2.8 and some change, right? It turned it into, once it was all said and done, the loan mod this year just, you know, got finalized. It is now a 6.5. Oh, right? wow. His, That's way his higher. Payment, yeah, cash flow just vanished, right? There's no cash mm-hmm. flow on the deal. Market rent is like, um, market rent is 24 and some change. Yep. His his um, uh, his uh, principal interest, taxes, insurance, we call it PITI, is... Uh, flushed with it, right? It's twenty four seventy seven. Oh, so yeah. They're, they're it's all gone already. Yeah, you talk about reserves, property management. Forget about it. You talk about maintenance, vacancy. Yeah. Forget about it. Not to mention, this was going to be a hybrid deal. Which a hybrid deal, if anyone doesn't know, is a subject to deal and a seller finance deal put together, right? Because his equity on the deal, he owes about two hundred eighty k on a unpaid balance. His loan balance two hundred eighty k. Uh, market value about 380 ish, 385. Before, when he was able, when he was trying to sell, it was about four something. That's whenever, you know, everything was hot and heavy and it dropped a little bit to, you know, 385 when the rates went up. So he lost a little equity, but um, we we agreed on him having about $100,000 of equity. So we're mm-hmm. going to pay him 25K to get into the deal. And then $500 a month is what he wanted on his payments. And he was okay with letting that ride out, you know, until it paid out. Right. Got it. And just for our listeners to make sure they're following, it's like 
a hybrid deal, a subject to, and a seller finance deal, it's a combination of the capital structure using to buy the properties, right? Subject to just means Drew in a scenario, just taking over the payments for that loan that's already in place. And in this case, it might be the end result of whatever the loan mod might be. Plus the seller becomes the bank for the last 100,000 of equity because 380 minus 280 is $100,000, just to use round numbers here. And that's what Drew's giving him, the seller $500 a month for. So just to make sure everyone is following along, that's, uh, so it seems like the purchase price was 380, but you take over a sub two loan for 280 of remaining balance on that loan. And then you're yeah. financing the last 100 grand with the seller. So cool, we're all, we're there now. How did you Hold make up. it a deal? So, well, let me tell you how it's not a deal, right? Because again, to just to reiterate how bad, how much, how like horribly, so it's not a deal, right? <laughs> oh because yeah, some people, not even close, <laughs> right? Because some people argue like, oh yeah, it's cool, you know, depreciation. There, you know, there's depreciation buyers out there, right? So you can you can buy it, you can get into it for 25k and whatever my assignment fee is if I want to wholesale it, right? And then you take depreciation on the overall amount of the purchase price, right? The 385, and then there's specialized, there's the bonus depreciation, all that specialized stuff, right? So you could argue that, try to, but with the seller finance portions on his equity, that's a second lien position on the property, right? So that's there contractually, you know, stuck. So now cash flow is negative 500. It was flush before, but cash flow is now negative 500, right? Who the heck wants to pay, neg you know, be paying $500 to hold the property? Like, maybe no some way. people do that. Yeah, no. I don't want to lose money. And it's so important that people don't let the tax tail wag the dog, right? Don't buy a home just for the depreciation. Either you might save a lot of money, but in this case, it's it's not like it's a million dollar home. It'd be a whole different situation if that was, and you got like a hundred grand of bonus depreciation savings. That's a whole different story. But this is not it. You're losing five hundred bucks a month. It better be worth a lot more in savings. Yeah. Than that. At the end of the day, it's whatever your um your bank account or pockets can handle, right? Whatever. To each his own, right? But um, for me, definitely it makes sense. Most people I've kind of, you know, passed it around to definitely didn't make sense. And, uh, I'm a buyer. So I was, I'm buying the deal. I was planning, I always plan on buying a deal. Right. But sometimes I run the deal by some other people to see what they would think if they would even want it. Uh, but nah, and it's embarrassing passing around. I got a reputation, you know, like I'm not going to pass around a non-cash flowing deal without identifying specifically, Hey, this is, the value in this deal, you want it. I'm probably just gonna pass it to a few people, right? So, um, pad split. I get, I get hip to pad split, right? So, I'm thinking uh, pad split. Well, one, I'm still at this point thinking, I gotta help this guy out. We're friends now, right? I gotta do something. Now, my backup strategy was to actually um, partner with him, like what I did with the other guy. Uh, whenever it deals too tight, I'll partner with the seller. And we'll do a JV agreement and then I will wrap the deal for I sell it on a wraparound mortgage and then I will take uh, something off of the down payment. Right. So usually I get about 10K off of that. Do the deal, find a buyer, get 10K. Right. Mm -hmm. How does that differ from an agent? It takes a lot more skill. Right. And balls. Right. Agents don't have either one. Right. So most of them don't. Right. The thing is, you don't need a license to do that at all. You're laughing like when I talk shit, <laughs> but it doesn't take it, it doesn't take a, a rocket science to do it. it doesn't take license to do it. Right. I'm not doing it on the market. Right. Um, I can if I want. If it was a higher price point, maybe I would. Um, but 
doing off market, super easy, right? I get 10K off it, move on, provide for my family, pay my team, whatever, go on to the next deal. So that's what I was thinking I was going to do. So I, I set up the pay, I set up the structure to uh, defer the payments on his 500K for a year, right? For 12 months. Oh, on his, wait, on his lo- subject to on, loan or just a seller? On his finance seller finance, on his okay, seller got finance. It. Portion, got it. Right? Okay. So we're, we're dealing with the, now if I'm buying the deal, so let me back up, let me make sure it's clear. The wrap was the backup strategy, Right. But buying it was still something I was trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. make it mm-hmm. make sense, right? So, twelve months of uh, a lot can happen in twelve months, right? War can break out, a pandemic could happen, prices could go sky high, prices could go you know all the way to the bottom. Who knows? A lot can happen. We can't sit here and what if it to death, right? I got this saying that like um, momentum is what gets us through, right? A lot of times. You're doing some type of crazy maneuver or something in a, in a sports game or whatever, driving, whatever. It's momentum that actually gets you through it, right? And it's the same thing with these deals. If you just keep, if you just put your head down, run as fast as you can doing deals, don't be stupid, right? But do deals. Don't, what if everything to death? You can't, right? But do deals. That momentum is going to open up other opportunities and doors, right? Something else is going to present itself. You got to have that faith. Just keep going. It's going to work out, right? So that's my Absolutely. mindset, right? Yeah. All the time. So that's my mindset. Right. So I'm going to, so I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm deferring it for 12 months. Right. Maybe I can refi. Maybe I can do something. Something will happen. Right. So, uh, 25, remember 25 K down to him. So now I don't have to worry about the 500 a month. And then it's the 2477, which is flush with the rent. Now, if I do something like a lease option or something at this point, I can get some money down. Right. The 25, I'm probably not going to get all the 25K back. I'll have to lease some money in the deal maybe. But maybe I'll get somebody in at a higher rental rate. Maybe. Maybe not. Right? Just It was just a thought at the time. So then pad split. I, I learned about pad split, right? And they've been around for a while, but, I, I, you know, they weren't, you know, too prevalent in our area, I guess, um, at least by word of mouth. But they have properties in area and they have properties in that area. And the rate is going uh, anywhere from 175 to 200 uh, a door, right? So, so well, what what is your plan right now? So you found Pad Split, and Pad Split just for our listeners that don't know, they are a rent by room model, typically that's suited for your affordable housing, but workforce housing people that just need to room, that just need to kind of yeah. live there temporarily, and just beyond, just need a place. And a roof over the head so that they have somewhere to stay while they kind of work uh, in the area. So what was yeah. your plan? Were you trying to turn this into what what bedroom count was this property and what are you trying to do with it? Yeah, good question. So the bedroom count this property was uh, the natural, be- the original bedroom count, four bedroom, two and a half bath. Got it. So okay. four the bedroom, plan, and a half. yep, the plan was to turn it into a, um, uh, so with pass split, right? You take the non-profitable spaces. And like living room, dining room, mm-hmm. and turn it into a bedroom, right? It needs to be at least 80 square feet, right? At least 80 square feet of living space uh, for room. Of course, you want to maybe make it 100, make it sizable um, or nice, but you can add as many. There's requirements, right? If you do eight, if you do, which I want in this one, I want to do eight, right? I, I penciled it out for eight at $175 uh, a, a week per room, right? 
times four, it should be about uh, 5,600. I don't have my numbers in front of me, but it should be about 5,600 gross, right? So think about that. Um, and let me finish what I was going to say, actually. So at eight, I'll have to add an extra refrigerator. So there's requirements that you got to consider with that. That brings more capital to the to the party, right? And then with that half shower uh, or half bath, I was going to add a, a shower there too, right? There's space in there. There's a little mud room next to it. Turn it into a, a shower. Uh, so there's a shower downstairs. So three showers. And then uh, the rule with that, um, I'm not an expert on it, right? But the room with w- uh, the rule with that is one uh, for one bathroom. It's either like three or, or four. I think four is the requirement. Four doors to one bathroom, but preferred, you know, more comfortable is like three, right? To one, something to that effect. Uh, don't be mad, Passable, if I'm wrong. But yeah, um, it's all on Passable's website, right? So that's what I. So I was gonna add the extra shower there. So three. So we're gonna turn it into eight, an eight three. Right. Got it. The size Got it. is so there. You're taking there. A, just to make sure everyone's following, we're taking a four bed, two and a half bath, turning into eight bedroom, three bath. And what does that look like from renovation costs? Have you gotten quotes on that and yeah. estimated what it's going to cost you? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it's going to cost nine thousand. My guy's going to do it nine thousand. Right. I got a quote for nine thousand to do it. Uh, I have a field manager who goes out and handles properties. He'll probably do it Got for it. cheaper. Right. Nice. But it depends on if I have him on another job or something. And his drywall is his like expertise. So it'll be super easy. Um, but nine thousand was a from another um, you know, GC or contractor. He was gonna uh, put that up for nine thousand, right? There's other requirements you want to look at too with the vents and stuff like that. You want to make sure you're not moving too many vents around and all that, because that's gonna add to the cost as well. This just happened to work out, right? You gotta have your egress points, the two egress points as well, right? So all that stuff you want to make sure you're looking at and don't just do it all, you know, willy lindly and blind. So, um, so yeah, so 9,000 for that. And then you got to furnish the rooms, right? You don't have to put like bedding and all that stuff in there, but you have to furnish the rooms, locks on the doors, things like that. little digital keypad, door numbers. It's, really, it's a dope setup. It looks like a little multifamily, right? Um, so the, and also too, the kicker with this one is an Amazon facility right outside of the, you know, right in the vicinity. So like perfect. I'm like, damn, this is meant to be, right? Got it. So and then they will so be building another one. So amazing. So um, with the cost, so f- uh, it's about four hundred and fifty to five hundred bucks, right? Okay. I'm per just, per I'm room, right? To furnish. Oh, That's what room. you're thinking. Yeah, per room. Okay, so you're basically on right now. Twenty five grand down. You have nine grand for the rehab. You have five hundred per room. So five times eight. That's four thousand dollars. So 500 is like the safe side. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. going to be about 450, but I was like mm-hmm. air on the side of caution. So, yeah. But uh, and then as a closer and as a person who does this like 24 seven, right, I don't have any other job. This is it. Uh, I always raise a little bit more to make money up front. Right. You want an acquisition fee is what I call it. So I want to make money up front. Also, remember, this came from a JB uh, guy. So we're going to you know, I'll raise like 10K extra. Give him, you know, half. I'll take half. So I make some money up front. So add that to the cost as well. Now, split, you're going to pay. You can go on the website and you can get a breakdown of the per, uh, projected utility costs and things like that. And the other uh, the cost for split to run it and everything. And somewhere around 15 percent is what it comes out to with some of the fees. And then, and then their management, I think their management is like 12, 11 ish, somewhere around there. Um, don't quote me on that, but you can mm-hmm. see everything, the whole breakdown and the pro form I did, I have the whole breakdown and everything. 
and I, I consulted with one of them. This was the first one I actually penciled out, right? So I consulted with them on it and everything, saw how they do it. So now I'm like, I'm good. I can I can kind of uh, do it myself for the for all the other ones. So all said and done, negative 500 cash flow turned into for the first year 1600 positive cash flow. That's crazy on affordable housing. Six projected yeah, 1600 a month uh, cash flow from negative 500. Right now, remember that's because I have the delayed, the delayed um, uh, payment, right? For the deferred payment for the first twelve months. Correct. Correct. Now, once the five hundred kicks in, then we're talking about um, you know less five hundred dollars, so eleven hundred bucks roughly. Right now, this is factoring vacancies. This is assuming there's going to be some vacancies and all that stuff. So all that stuff is factored in there. You go on their website; they're going to do. They're going to. They have calculations and everything. They'll put all that stuff in there for you. Um, it's automatic. So, uh, dope opportunity. And I'm telling you, like, I'm, I wasn't, a, and I still am not a big fan of Airbnb. I can't stand Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the patience for it. And I don't like Airbnb personally. Right. The platform sucks. Um, just had a bad experience with them. So, uh, but I have done some Airbnbs just bought, I've been bought out of those deals. I've negotiated them, just been bought out of it. So I made money on that stuff, but again, hate Airbnb. That wasn't going to be my, path to wealth right um the yeah, but this, let, let, let me let me pause you right here because i think just to go wrap up this deal right you have taken again a deal that was negative 500 to now a deal that might cash flow 1100 1100 for 12 months a year and you divide that and by that's if we don't if number. we don't increase that's if we don't yeah. increase rent over time that's gonna 1100 kicks in 12 yeah. months right off rip it's 16 right so you there's bought, a lot yeah of it's genius there. people are like that is completely genius because now you're deferring and you're giving yourself breathing room to set everything up to get the property running so that you're not bleeding yeah. all that money while you're getting it set up. And all said and done, this is going to be about 25 to 30% cash and cash return, assuming the numbers are what they are, assuming like you, you don't, something not big doesn't happen. And that's an amazing deal. You turn a negative deal into a 25% deal. And I think that's really how you raise capital, man. Way to go well, on check that this one. Out. Well, here's the thing. Cause I know people watching, they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. Sub two drew, but I don't have money. Right. Me either, right? So we go raise the money. We talk about capital raising, right? Go raise the money. It's a it's a dope deal. Present the deal, right? When you present the deal, I I can't stand when wholesalers send these half ass uh, deals out there. These half ass you know so called deals out there because they don't know how to buy deals, right? There's some good wholesalers, right? So I'm not talking about everybody, but the shitty ones. I'm talking about. Excuse my language, right? Um, you're trying to sell this deal. You're trying to make 10K. You're trying to make 15K. You're trying to make a good chunk of change for what? Show show me how it's a good deal, please, right? Because I got a lot of stuff going on. I run a full acquisition company, right? Full-time acquisition company. I got stuff going on. We have a JV department. We have a, a direct-to-seller department. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got tenants that's not paying me, right? And then you bring this, this half-assed deal to the table, and I got to analyze and, and um, do rocket science to figure out how it makes money, right? Their defense to that is, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, um, well, you know, the end buyer is always going to do their own numbers. Yes, I'm going to do my own numbers, but I got to see preliminary, uh, like phase one um, analysis. Like, is it worth spending time, investing time into this? So show how the deal makes money, please. Don't just say pad split and then think that's going to, you know, set off alarms in my head, right? Or any buyer's head. You got to show them. It's like a thesis paper. You got to put supporting arguments in there, right? 
so um exactly and i think that's just the part that where people forget like i they keep thinking like i don't have money but when you find a good deal and you want you show people how you're so like drew you have wholesaling experience you have fix and flip experience you know what you're doing and you when you go and present the numbers and show like this is how i analyze the deal they believe you it's not just like hey i look at the spreadsheet like i don't know what i'm looking at they're like drew has some credibility drew knows what he's doing so that's how you raise capital for this deal amazing that's how you raise it so it's not my own money. So I have an infinite return, right? So I'm raising the money. <laughs> That's true. I'm paying 12%. I'm paying 12% on that money. Uh, 61, uh, 61.5 is the entry fee. So mm-hmm. I'm paying 12% interest only payment. I'm happy giving interest only payments on it, right? For two yep. years. So uh, six, what is that? Uh, 61 uh, or 615 or something like that would be 12% on that. So add that to the, to the uh, net. Right. Because that's going to go to the lender. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, if the lender wanted 30 percent of the deal. So I'll bring in a capital partner. Right. That's called a capital partner that, or a, a private money partner. A pimp is, is short you know, for pimp. I'll bring a pimp on that deal. Right. And we'll do that deal. PMP. Or, that's what it stands for. P- <laughs> that's what you say. Private money partner. <laughs> uh, a pimp. Yeah. I have my pimp, you know, have me doing deals. So PMP, I'll give up equity. Look, we're, we're all going to go further together. Right. I don't need all the mm-hmm. equity. I don't need all the equity on that deal. I don't need all the cash flow. Well, I just need a, p- a piece of this pie, a piece of that pie, and that one, and I'm full, right? Yeah. And we just and keep that's doing how deals. people are attracted to you because you're not greedy. You don't want everything to yourself. You want to kind of share the wealth with everybody else. Um, Drew. So we're getting to a point where I definitely want to ask you this question because I want to make sure everybody's perspective is heard because part of the whole mission for this podcast is one: how do we solve for affordable housing? So I'm really interested to hear from your perspective, like why do you think affordable housing, particularly the lack of supply of affordable housing is so hard to solve for? We'd love to kind of hear your thoughts and any thoughts you might have for how we might solve this problem. Um, Ooh, man. Why is it so hard to solve for? Wow. Um, it's so hard to solve for because not many people know how to mind their business, right? You wasn't expecting that answer, right? Not many people know how to mind their business because if everyone minded their own damn business and worked on self-development and mm. furthering themselves, there wouldn't be a need for affordable housing. Everyone would be rich, right? Everyone would make money. Everyone would be, you know, on the a, a path of uh, pursuing their purpose, right? But people don't know how to mind their damn business. And people are always in other people's business. You, you know, the Roman, the Roman circus, right? Politics, sports. Right. Those are distractions. You got people who know this guy's stats, who's following his his uh, his uh, passion. Right. You know, some sports players stats, but you don't know how to go out there and make some damn money. Right. You don't have a house. You don't own a house. You live at home with your mom. Right. But, you know, all this guy's stats and stuff. Where's that getting you in life? Mind your business. That's why we need affordable housing. Right. That's the real Mm. issue. The real problem. Right. So now that we have. Uh, affordable housing crisis, right? Or another um, contributing factor to affordable housing crisis is greed, right? People are fucking greedy. They're greedy, right? People are greedy. So greed affects everybody, right? It comes in the smallest form, right? I got to check myself sometimes too, to not be greedy. And there's a story that comes with where I learned that lesson on my first deal, right? Say that for another day. But uh, greed will have you broke. And greed has people living out in the streets, right? Their own greed 
and the greed of the landlord and everybody trying to make money, right? We can all make money and not be greedy about it. Don't be stupid either. Like you want to make money just because this might be expensive. This one house might be expensive for this particular person because they didn't mind their business and they didn't follow their passion and 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 uh, purpose. That doesn't necessarily mean you're greedy, right? Go get what you deserve, right? But there's 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 times um, I tell I have another I have stories for everything, right? But there's there's times where people greed kills people from getting a deal done, and agents especially, right? Wholesalers too. Right. There's good agents. There's really good agents. Right. There's really great agents. There's really agents that make more money than me. Right. More money than a lot of people. Million dollar agents. Right. And then there there are uh, really good wholesalers that are killing it. But then majority of them are uh, both sides are crappy and greedy and unrealistic. And that's what's killing them from making money. You know, they will lose a whole commission check. Like that guy, Stan, you know, the one I was talking about yeah. on that deal. The least option they'll, they'll lose they'll look at a million dollar opportunity and they're like no i should get third i should get 30k on that for a commission versus versus six percent on two hundred two hundred uh thousand dollars right twelve thousand take the money and move to the next deal what's wrong you know it stacks up come on man you know yeah, so they're wasting all, all their energy on the wrong topic like they're focused they're on not, the wrong problems and it's almost going back to the first point like a big loop man it's like they're not asking the right questions man they're like yeah they're just like how do i make the most money from this deal versus how do i be, turn this person into a lifelong friend and partner and we go do way more deals together it's just a whole different way of thinking yeah. and i think that yeah. is so cool man and I know we're getting to the end of this uh podcast today drew this has been an amazing conversation i loved hearing from your your experience, your thought process behind how you approach deals, how you're looking at deals a little differently. I think this is something all of our listeners can learn from. If people need, if people want to reach out to you or they want to JV with you or they have a lead that they can't close, how can they get reach out to you, man? Best way to uh, reach out to me is uh, Instagram. Unfortunately, right, I'm on the, that's the only um, platform I'm really actively on. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'll get better, promise, guys. But you know, like I said, I got a lot going on, so I need help. I just hired a social media manager, um, so now you know I'm looking to nice. really pump up Instagram and stuff like that. And then maybe we'll branch out and do more stuff on the other platforms. But I, I have a Facebook and stuff. But honestly, I'll, it'll take me longer to, to get back to you on that one. But Instagram, hit me up on there. Uh, it's in the the title there, Sub Two Drew. There is another Sub Two Drew. He's a cool guy, awesome. He's killing it as well. He's over <laughs> at Houston. It's my guy. Um, you know, we talk, we're friends, but uh, mine's is sub two with uh, the number two, right? As Got you it. See right there. So it's add S U B, the number two, and then D R E W. Find yeah. Drew, DM him, get him to close your leads, and do some deals with this guy, man. Because this guy, one, knows how to close the deals, but he can also help raise capital, man. And that's so important. So, Drew, this has been amazing, man. Thank you again for coming on to the show, man, and sharing your knowledge and experience with the folks today. Can't express my appreciation enough, man. Well, this was fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun, man. Appreciate it. I got to come see you out in uh, San Diego, though. Yeah, sure. Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. I'll oh, see yeah. you soon, man.